This is Up The Creek, the definitive Jonathan Creek podcast with your host, my good friend Daniel Krupa and me, Gav Murphy. Today, Jonathan and Maddie are investigating how a big posh man could kill someone from beyond the grave. So every week on this podcast, we talk about Jonathan Creek via three things. The effect, the method, and the reveal. Daniel, what is the effect of this episode? Three weeks after falling to his death, Posho, Duncan Proctor, returns from beyond the grave to strangle Felicity Vale. Mate, you've done a better job of writing a line about this episode and editing yourself down than I think anybody who was remotely involved in this episode is capable of. I could do it in one (laughs) sentence. You can do it in one episode. I don't even need two sentences for it. Oh, you certainly don't need two 50-minute episodes on the BBC about it, let me tell you. (laughs) So the only reason I can think about this is Renwick in recent years has said there's been such infrequent episodes of Jonathan Creek because it takes him so Mm. long to think of these episodes. I reckon... Season two, he's already running short on ideas. Do you think? I think that uh, maybe they ditched one, maybe for budget reasons, or maybe he just couldn't come up with one. This it was definitely stretched to two. No way was Why this is... conceived as a two-parter. I, I think it's even scarier. I think it is. See, my reading of it is Renwick, like, gone off the boil. And he it genuinely is the, you know, Jonathan Creek's a runaway success. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to write a feature-length thing. This could be about 20 minutes long. <laughs> and it's an hour 40 instead. I can't, like, it's 35 minutes before Jonathan and Maddie even yep. know that Gallows Gate exists. Yep. 35 minutes. I mean, just Huey Harper in general, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's so much that. There's, like, there's so much that just feels flabby and too long. And like Amanda Holden. Why is Amanda Holden in it? Part of me, like there's a, there's some good stuff going on in this episode, but it's just put together in such a wild way. If this was one episode, I think it would be good. But unfortunately, it's hour 40. Well, yeah, by uh, the end of the first episode, that's when you actually just get to what the mystery is. Yeah. That's the setup. Also, this, if it's shown like a lot of things, I guess we could check this, but it, like they used to, the double parters would be shown one one night and yes, one in the next night. 14th as well. and the 21st of February. Oh, and no, like, this is a week. Of, this was a week one on this. This is a week. There this was is a week. week gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's happening? Why? It does not need to be a week gap. I, I I think it's just wild that this is as long as it is. But also, I would say what's quite baffling, even though it's twice as long, I think these are some of the thinly, most thin antagonists in in the season. Like Duncan Proctor, Felicity Vale, considering how much screen time they get, I don't know nothing about them or what At they're all, about. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a really, really strange... It's a really strange episode. <sighs> <laughs> But yeah, that you know the the effect is, is lots of stuff going on where a suicide, which we see right at the right at the top, and then eventually then we're given the fact that Duncan Proctor uh, hasn't committed suicide, um, and we see him. Katie sees him at the end of the first episode doing that. So yeah, the method Duncan Proctor staged his death, 
uh, with the help of two army chums uh, and a concealed safety net. And when he returns to confront Fliss, he's not actually strangling her, which is what Kitty sees. He's trying to prevent her suicide, um, and she is actually murdered by her spiteful and psychotic flatmate, Claire. That's that's what happened. I'm going to go back to my previous point, considering how little we know about these people. <laughs> because... Because we know so little about these people, I don't understand. I know mm. we usually do this in the final part and it's kind of bleeding over. Yeah. I don't understand the motivations for any of this stuff. No. And I think that's the problem we'll get onto in a bit. So right now yeah. we'll tackle with the mechanics of the, the effect. But yeah. this for me, that's so overwhelming. It just kind of spoils it. Because I don't understand Absolutely, why yeah. anyone's doing any of this stuff. I think that's the thing. When those motives aren't strong, because there are there's a, there's a couple of episodes coming up. Um, one in particular I'm thinking about where the motive is is quite strong, but it, but the actual uh, the the actual method is so strangely elaborate. But it does a really really good job of presenting why um, in the reveal does a really good job of presenting why th- that is actually a good thing um, and why even though they arrive at it in a mad way it doesn't feel unsatisfying whereas this I know what you mean is quite thin on the ground why uh, <laughs> that anyone has done any of this so I think um, what we should do we should like break this into two points I think let's yeah. briefly focus on the fake death of Duncan Proctor before we yes. get on to the genuinely baffling thing that Jonathan talks about. So the thing that another interlinked. So Duncan doesn't actually die. What yeah. Fliss sees is him jumping from an upstairs balcony. Then she looks over yeah. the balcony and he's cracked his head open on the floor. This isn't funny. Bye, Fliss. The grave was open for me. No! But his army yes. chums have like done this thing where they've concealed a bit of netting. And yeah. there's a bit of turf that slides back. He's jumped yeah. down on the netting. Another chum has come in to stop them looking over prematurely. Yeah. It's, I just feel like it is so elaborate. It's almost getting to the point of being as elaborate as the fake explanation Jonathan gives in the wrestler's tomb. Like the over-engine, it's too, it's so over-engineered. Also, it's one of that, it's that thing as well where... I think it, they are being quite crafty um, with time. I went back and watched this a couple of times and they're really, really crafty with the editing in this because there is no possible way they're showing that in real time yeah. because the amount of work that it takes for Duncan and his mate to put the to cover the net in and then stage his suicide, like put the blood down and everything, there's just there's not enough time. And also it, it doesn't takes, show you enough time. Yeah, and it takes two of them to put it back, but presumably he's mm. just lifted it off by himself. Who's helped yeah, him? Or, or the other guys legged it upstairs. Yeah. And if anyone walks out so the over engineered a solution for Selena leaving her mm. office, I think is a really good setup because it shows it Jonathan says that's just a textbook explanation. Doesn't stand yeah. up in the real world. This does not stand up in the real world. Anyone yeah. walks out that party, they see it, it's blown. Yeah. They say when they go, when the paramedics pick him up, it goes, no one asks any questions. What? Yeah. You should be at a party. And this, I'd be asking you, a lot of questions. I, if we were at a party together and you died, it's not yeah. like I'm going, all right, tomorrow, let's go, uh, probably go back to bed. <laughs> None of them go to his funeral. Yeah. No one's wondering about that. Everyone, Jonathan goes, uh, no question, probably no questions asked. A couple of paramedics yeah. pick it up. I'd ask loads of questions. I'd so, want to be involved. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, well, I guess like the the annoying thing about this episode is that it tries. I th- I think anyway. I think it it tries to make it uh, cleverer than it is by introducing early on Jonathan is showing Adam a version of Pepper's ghosts, a famous illusion. It's used quite famously in a bunch of places, but like Haunted Mansion uses it. And the but the idea is what you see is not what you're actually seeing. That's the whole idea for it. And it tries to be really smart by introducing this and kind of like hinting at it. But actually, everything that it uses that for in the actual episode is just not smart or clever or anything. And that kind of irked me a little bit because I love the idea, as has happened a few times, where they've introduced like real bits of magic and bits of the magic history and magic technique into it. But this kind of just doesn't do that. But I think that David Renwick think that he's been successful in doing that. And it almost gets close because when Kitty, who is Adam's sister that appears in this episode, we get onto that in a second as well. Um, <laughs> she sees Duncan killing um, Fliss, or, you know, inverted comments, killing her through a pane yeah. of glass. That's as close as it gets to Pepper's ghost. Yeah. Uh, a full on 90 degree piece of glass. Um, <laughs> So it's kind of a misconstrual of motivations. Yeah. Um, but the clues, we usually go for the clues. The clues that they actually find once they get into Gallows Gate, that cottage, yeah. is they find tights in a bin, which seem unusual yeah. to Jonathan. You can't quite let go of them. And not because mm. he's a perv, just because it's quite unusual that there's two clean ones and one worn. Yes, yeah, all over the place, isn't it? Like he's really like hammering it on with it. those tights, yeah. I've got a murder here committed by a dead man in a house he couldn't have got out of, involving a girl found horribly trangled with her hoe and tocking removed in the down tear cloakroom. Oh, have you ever heard of silence? I'm trying to achieve a level of abstract thought here, I'm trying to prize this whatever it is at my memory. What is it? Let me have a go. Told you, I can't put it into words. It's purely intuitive. It's just a feeling. I won't come into focus till it's ready. With Felicity's murder, then we've got the stockings, Duncan's fingerprints on her boots, and a pipe that has been placed rather than fallen. So the ashes haven't fallen out. But the thing I don't understand about that, we do see the pipe fall. So the, I guess the idea is then the pipe. Oh, she's fallen, placed it somewhere else, and then she's placed it somewhere else. Yeah. I think that's a really weird thing to have him labour the idea. No, 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 the pipe was placed. And then have a lingering shot of a pipe falling. Like, I don't get that. Also, people smoking pipes in 97, 98. Big posho pricks, though, but, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Good point. I'll, I'll trade that. I'll take that back. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I, I generally, if you want a, a good example of it being too flabby, the answering machine tapes... Oh, <laughs> it's quite a simple thing. But by the end, when they're explaining it, it's like... I don't care. You've made I this, don't care. Also, you've made this more complicated than it needs to be to a point where I'm. you're almost confusing me again. <laughs> also, it feels like, because there's so many people involved with that answering machine thing, it feels like they all have their go at saying it, but they don't. It just yeah. feels like that. <laughs> it almost sounds like a riddle and you're like, who's taking it across the river? Yeah, it really does. It really, really does. There's two like interlocking mysteries here. Yeah. Because um, also there's the clue of when they go to the big, um, the, the house in Northumberland of mm. um, the blood droplets um, basically revealed they didn't bleed out. They were dropped from a height. That's another that's right, one. Yeah. But also by that point, that's not really a clue because we know Dun- Duncan Proctor's alive. Also, would police leave all the blood there? 
It's like, do they clean up? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. Maybe that's one more on the house. And there seems to be no one in that house. They just walk straight in. <laughs> um, you know when the police go oh, to get Duncan? Go to get Duncan. They arrest him, and Duncan goes, "What have I done?" <laughs> it's like, well, you faked your own death, mate. Like, yeah. that's not. That's I mean, not good, is it? <laughs> I mean, I get. I guess we need to like go on to. We'll get onto the motivation seconds, but he's, yeah. he's ridiculous. I think probably one of the most famous people. Like he's had Ooh. like a decent career now. He's in fucking Star Wars. He's I, in Rogue One. I interviewed him um, actually on the set. Did of you? Hellboy. Yeah, he's in Hellboy. He's, he plays Sterling Moss in Rush. <laughs> so he's he's in the new Hellboy, is he? Yeah, yeah, which I've not seen. Honestly. But yeah, and then the Epiphany. Right, the epiphany I had to rewatch about four times. They're, <laughs> yeah, I they're, don't get it. They're in a they're in a car park of an out of town real estate park, and it's yes. such a complete non sequitur because I watched about three or four times because couldn't follow mm. it because Maddie's talking about electric shock therapy and he has yes. he has an epiphany and then I've rewatched yeah. it with subtitles on. It's nothing Maddie says. It's something Jonathan right. then says and he he has he gives himself the epiphany. Yeah. So he says. He basically reframes the problem of the stockings. And he yeah. says, uh, why did he take her stockings off her? Mm. And by right. saying that way, it, take off her implies the idea of confiscation. Right. right rather so than took her stockings off her, take her yeah. stocking, take off her stockings, sounds sexy or seedy <laughs> yeah. or weird. Took her stockings off her. He was confiscating them. And it gives yeah. him this idea of taking away a soldier or prisoner's bootlaces when they're in solitary. That's it. The bootlaces thing. Because that was the thing that I was like, ah, right. That makes sense now. Yeah. But when you watch the episode, it's almost like he's reacting to Maddie talking about electric shock therapy. But yeah. it's not at all. <laughs> I guess like it's kind of funny writing in a way and probably actually quite decent writing in a way because she's talking about electric shock therapy sort of getting something out of someone and at that very moment he has an epiphany there's nothing to do with that yeah. but it looks like that which is kind of interesting yeah because he knew he, he couldn't go into a third episode yeah <laughs> although I bet he fucking Renwick tried yeah. he's like this is gonna go let's go free he's like Red Cap season 3 opener that <laughs> alright so we got the reveal then I see your standard no trace of Tracy reversal there was a third person in the house who witnessed the whole weird and wonderful event and I think now might be the time to put your hand up don't you Claire and tell us exactly how you murdered her also I uh, did you know like the music is exactly the same like I know this really well because I've just edited that episode but the music it, they use for that like sort of fake reveal where Maddie like turns is the exact same music that they used in Tracy. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, so yeah, so it turns out that it was actually her flatmates Claire that did it because she does she love Duncan. She but so she loves Duncan. I think because at mm. the beginning of the episode she gives Duncan a present that he doesn't even look at and she seems yeah. quite cut up about it. Yeah. But the fact that she her performance in the scene. She immediately reveals herself, I think, to be an actual psycho sociopath. Yeah. Like, I think she's genuinely psychopathic because yeah. she's doing that serial killer thing. Not saying she's a serial killer, but she's helping mm. Maddie and Jonathan too much. Yeah, yeah, She's yeah. going with them to the house in Northumberland. She's loving it. Yeah. And her That's face point, and yeah. performance in that final scene, 
she's got the most evil smile and she's almost like she enjoyed it so it's not just an opportunistic or a crime of passion i think she's absolutely unhinged i really like when she goes can you kill someone out of spite i was like yeah i think most murders happen because of spite don't they like i think there's an element of that involved in pretty much every murder like no one's going ah oh, unless the ones happen by accident but she's just like can you murder out of spite yes yes you can Absolutely. Um, in, my, in my notes I've written, she suddenly transitions into big old villain face. Yeah, absolutely. And she, she has like a little like a weird maniac. smile on her as well. Uh, you know, we kind of ask her every episode as well. It's like, does it make sense? Absolutely not. Like, no. Because the motivations just aren't there. Yeah, so the motivation for her, mm. no way is just her fancying Duncan. Because she don't, because no. also that motivation is not even that strong because she doesn't even want to be with Duncan. So... I think she just genuinely is unhinged and just had this okay. moment where she could kill her. Fine, yeah. whatever. That's a weird thing. We've never had to deal with that before. Like a yeah. nascent psychopath. Duncan, the biggest thing for me though, what was Duncan's plan? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? 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 Like, yeah, he, he fancies Fliss a bit. What's he, what? So there's several things here. What did he want? Yeah. What was he going to do for the rest of his life? And also, what was he expecting to get from Fliss when he turned up as a ghost? To go, oh, you made me do this. I, I really, yeah, what's his, what's the long, like, what's the after a while, was he there? just going to come back to life? <laughs> also, I love the bit where, you know, we talk about incompetent police a lot because otherwise there'd be no need for these people to, like Johnny and Maddie to, Johnny, Johnny and Maddie to get involved. Johnny and Maddie, yeah. But when they were like, <laughs> there's a, just think about this, there's been a murder apparently committed by a dead man. They, nobody checks his flat in London. Yeah, where he's been. No, I think he's been laying low with a buddy. Oh, okay. But it, it almost feels like no one's looked into him even being dead. No, Because they turn up not. in Northumberland after they've gone there. Even the police, because if the police, like, because it, it seems like it's such a big thing when Kitty, sorry, when, when she points to the photo, it feels like even the police then are not checking hospitals or anything like that. Yeah, that- like, until way later. I think as a police officer, the first thing you would do is to check yeah. whether your main suspect is alive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also pretty sure, um, although to be fair, I do I did kind of like the Irish detective. Um, yeah. I didn't I didn't mind him. Um, but I, I do I am pretty sure that when you're doing a police lineup, you're hundred percent not in the same room as yeah. all the bad people. <laughs> I guess there's only one bad person, but you're not in the same room as all those people. I'm pretty it. sure like they don't see you and you don't see them. And there's definitely a wall between you. Um, I mean, whereas that- they bring poor old Kitty in and she's just like, there you go. <laughs> He's got a great accent as well. Mr. Klaus, we've barely started with her. As long as Proctor exercises his right to silence, she's the only case we've got. One thing for me though is just like Maddie catches her out on that she knew oh. about the the robbery and she was like then it occurred to me I had been talking about it when they were outside the house I was like would you be listening that intently? How do you think that burglar got into my place the other day? Turned it over? He didn't just give up did he the bastard? She doesn't know any context for who these people are. So without that context of knowing oh these are these are these people and she's been robbed you wouldn't, but I don't think you would remember it like that. That's not how minds work. The only thing I would say to counter that is when you're in like a very stressful situation or when something big, you do record things more keenly. Yeah, maybe. Like if you were just in your living room, you might not remember something on the TV, but if you were like, yeah, yeah, just killed someone, you probably remember quite a lot of the detail. <laughs> 
and about to get caught. Um, but I was, I thought that's what you were going to say. The weird entrapment of her. Mm. Instead of just going, you did it, confess. Mm. They say to her, um, yeah, some of the, um, when they examined um, Fliss's neck, they found some of Jonathan's skin cells after the massage he gave him the other day. Uh, yeah. That's like, a, that's like a week later. Yeah. Is she, is she that much of an idiot? Also, do you notice there? And this is that you know that is the main crux of the episode. How little we've spoken about so much of the stuff that actually happens. Like we've really not had to speak about Neville, Kiko, uh, or Huey Harper, or it's any all, of that it's, stuff. It's all just additional, isn't it? Additional nonsense that really draws you away from like what could be a decent mystery. We're not even really talking that much about the mechanics of what Kitty saw, even. Yeah. It's a bit real window, actually. I just thought about that. That's exactly what yeah, it is. It's yeah. misinterpreting what you're seeing without context. You took the tape out of the machine with Neville's message on it because you didn't want the police thinking he had anything to do with her death. You wanted all the evidence to point to Duncan. So why did Duncan want to get that tape back, for God's sake? To corroborate his account of what really happened, that your message drove her to try and kill herself. Even then, it was all going to sound pretty flimsy. Okay, we've had the effect, the method, and the reveal. Um, now we move on to the elements that make up Jonathan Creek, starting with the Meldrew Award. Quite a lot for this. I feel like all of Huey Harper and all that storyline yeah. could probably go in that, um, as well as uh, Not All Right <laughs> and lots of Grot Cabinet as well. I mean, there's um, a lot of overlap, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but to be fair, one bit that did generally make me laugh and still makes me laugh every time that I uh, look at it is Mr. Ramus's escapology trick. I mean, I mean, that's what I've read. <laughs> My Meldrew Award for the most unbelievable moment goes to Mr. Ramus's escapology performance at, at, at a country fate. It's wild. Also, the way also, it's filmed, the way it cuts to it is pure sitcom yeah. as well. There's a little trick he's been rehearsing all day. Would you mind? Mr. Ramis, another 10 minutes and we have to cut you down. They're all so calm about it. Made me laugh so much the way she delivers that line. I think, I think that's brilliant. I think that's definitely, for me, that's the Meldrew Award because the other stuff is just, mm -hmm. I think it's more prime for the other um, elements. Yeah, for sure. I think um, maybe slightly Meldrew Award as well is Jonathan's, con we've, we don't actually see it, but Jonathan speaking to the burglar on the phone. He's oh. like, he said he was doing something with oh. your computer. Yes, he was stealing it, Jonathan. <laughs> actually, if, if that had been filmed in real time, that is straight up Meldrew. Things that's dated the most, that jazz musician voice that Huey Harper is doing. <laughs> Huey! Hey, oh, it's my man. How you doing? Oh, I'm magnificent. How you doing? You all right? Yep. Um, fucking Clark Peters, Lester Freeman from The Wire. Yeah, I bet he regrets doing that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so there was a time uh, back in our uh, IGN days where I had an opportunity to speak to Clark Peters and... It was like one of those things that was like, we never really did because it was um, a phone interview, which we very rarely did at IGN because it's much better to talk to someone in person. But it came through and I was like, Daniel, I really want to do this because I just will put it on the podcast, uh, the IGN UK podcast, and I'll just, I'll, I just want to ask him about if he remembers anything about Jonathan Creek. <laughs> um, but it fell through. 
so I didn't actually end imagine up getting if you to had that clip to put in now I know I know and it, like, it I bet he will remember it it's like well, we don't talk about that I bet he doesn't talk about it because that's fucking wild that he was doing that <laughs> I mean it was before the wire I guess so the thing I got is um, you don't see a lot of now family members kissing each other on the lips yeah yeah, I know. Kitty does that. that. Yeah. Like when you're a kid, or especially when we were growing up, kissing each other on the lips was like, like a bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas not so much anymore. Actually, a good place to bring this one up. Kitty. Because mm. of the difference in accents, do we think Adam is putting on an accent? Is it an affectation? I think so. Or are they grown up separately? I think it's an affectation because his name is Chester. I think so. We know so. his name's not Adam Klaus. That's I think, what I was uh, leaning at, the fact that he's called yeah. Chester. I think he's just, he's like, built the, the this american thing is complete pretense i mean i mean it's very prestige isn't it? it's like the same huey harper it's basically chunding sue but yeah <laughs> but, but blind <laughs> um and not an american pretend to be a chinese person and same as like i think uh adam klaus definitely is what was he scottish then scottish pretending to be chester pretending to be a uh an american i guess it kind of it would work for stuff like that wouldn't it yeah, because um, initially, because while since I watched this, I was like, oh, maybe they didn't grow up together. They seem really close. They seem they like seem they, really close, yeah, yeah, they seem like they do see each other kind of semi-regularly, like, even though he doesn't like it. And I guess that would kind of add to the idea as well, as like why he doesn't want people meeting her, because she's obviously, like, she doesn't know who Adam Klaus is. She does know who Chester is. Chester. Um, so she's like, obviously re- referring to him as that. Uh, what about most British thing? What have you got? Um, a heartthrob named Neville. <laughs> Yeah, I think like anyone called Felicity as well. Felicity, Felicity Kitty. Um that's yeah, that's that's pretty good. I I've got a couple of this. Um uh one of them, just a sign that says additional parking behind orchard. That's You're not getting that yeah. in many American places, are you really? Also, I slowed it down just to make sure, but Neville is definitely uh eating a scotch egg or a pork pie at the party. Lovely. So I feel like pork pie and scotch egg are very, very, very British good. things. Um, please call Rogers. <laughs> very good. Also, um, um, with Huey Harper, um, going for a curry at 11 p.m. at night. Absolutely, yes. That's brilliant. Um, Maddie shouting, get your kit off. <laughs> I've never heard Americans saying that. I don't think that really <laughs> would translate into American. That and Ford KAs. I'm pretty sure Ford oh, K is yeah. only a British thing. I learned to drive in a Ford K. I've always called them a car. <laughs> car. I think maybe they are, but I think because they, I always used to say KA because the the big letters. Um, <laughs> and if you say I'm in a Ford car, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I know. No. What 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 kind of Ford? Focus. Car? Focus. Yeah, we please focus. I'm in a Ford car. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, have you got anything else? Most British thing. No, you've you've cleaned me out there. <sighs> you know, this was made a long time ago. Uh, so, you know, there are some things that happen. In Jonathan Creek, they're maybe not that all right anymore. And a couple of things in this. Uh, Kitty saying all that Ho Chow Main stuff gives mm. me the burps about Chinese food. Mm. It's probably not all right, is it? Yeah. Jonathan uh, shouting, this is bordering on date rape as the man takes him away to go to the toilet at the police Where station. That, where's that come from? I don't... Yeah. That's a wild statement from Jonathan. Um, this isn't. Uh, this shouldn't go in that all right. I don't. But it did. It was kind of strange when um, Adam Klaus speaks to the tiger on Netflix. Because the subtitles up, it just says speaking in foreign. 
I was like, that's not all right, Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out what that was because I don't know if it's Bengali because he refers to it as a Bengal tiger. Right. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to know what he if, what he's actually saying. Actually says, yeah. Um, um, yeah, it's quite a lot in here to get through, isn't there? What have you got? Japanese femme fatale. It's a bit of a cliche. Mm. I think there's, there's something that, you know, there's literally no reason for her to be Japanese. No. Um, she does that mad caricature. Fliss does that mad caricature of her. Of like a samurai. A samurai beheading her. Yeah, it's very it's strange. Like a temple. That's really um, strange. That, that um, lady as well, I feel like she really lets, she lets Fliss get quite far cutting her hair off before she yeah. runs away. Because like Fliss has got basically all the way around. Not- only a tiny bit around. It's like, I cut a bit of Clara's hair the other day and it's like, there's no way you'd be able to do it like that. Um, I thought that was really strange. But um, there you go. I've got Adam wearing another turban. Oh, fuck me. He loves them, doesn't he? <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> these are kind of lesser ones on the scale. Yeah. I, just, I think just ridiculing Kitty, just as a, a middle-aged woman, finding her as an object that's something disgusting about her just because she's a middle-aged woman. It's kind of, yeah. bit, it's just a bit mean. He describes the way as that something, he is, yeah. is pretty mean, yeah. And Huey Harper is like, yeah, she's not an attractive young lady, but it's not. It's just that I think this bit horrible on her. And then, yeah, she's not grotesque. <laughs> yeah, which well, is not something from the nightmare world of M.R. James. <laughs> it's his own sister. Come on, Chester. And then the small one is oh, Jonathan just having a pop at Barry Manilow. Yeah. Saying, oh, it's like firing, finding out Barry Manilow is really dumb. Like, yeah hmm. it's also a tiny bit of um it doesn't really stick the boot in but a tiny bit of like fat shaming with maddie again when she's um at his house he's, like to be fair it really did make me laugh when she just went do i get anything to eat <laughs> when she's at his house and then she just wants to put a little bit of salt on the eggs how'd you keep your salt see that cupboard just above you top shelf right at the back there's a leaflet from the hospital explaining why it's bad for your arteries this weird little wrinkle in Jonathan's characterization, which I only think we've had once before in House of Monkeys with him being a hypochondriac with his health. And you you have it twice in this episode. You have it once with the pamphlet against having too much salt in your food. And also he says to Petra, he thinks his symptoms might, he's like, well, it could be early onset scarlet fever. Right. It's like Jonathan, and I don't think it really comes up that much in the overall show. It's him. Yeah. I wonder if it's like something that Remwick started to see and then just, forgot about <laughs> yeah maybe right should we open up the grot cabinet hello chester how are you how are you <laughs> we know your real name now uh, which means you can never you can never escape he was born um, in the grot <laughs> uh i think yeah that really nasty i'd write to the beginning like the trick shot with the squaddies oh, um with the ass um I, think- I, I hate all that type of i thought that's actually also quite british as well i guess it maybe in it definitely happens in america but i, I hate all that fucking mentality like rugby boy doing yeah. naughty things and shit like that we should say we like posh people we have some really good like posh people posh friends but yes. these are what we would deem posh pricks. Bad posh, bad posh. Yeah. This is. Um, I hate all that kind of shit as well. Where it's like you've got to be ritually humiliated to be able to have a good time. It's a bit Bullingdon, isn't it? I've been on some stag dudes with people like that, and it, it's just like it's not fun. And if you are finding it fun, you're an arsehole. I think. Yeah. It's like I'm. I'd much rather just go around a bunch of pubs and get hammered. <laughs> be like, no, you have to put this wafer up your ass. I don't want to do that. 
<laughs> you must. But, <laughs> um, one thing that I wrote down, and it's only like later on in the episode I realise why it's there. Um, the really, really mad scratches on Neville's back. Mm. At the beginning, do you notice this? Yeah. So when Fliss is in yeah, bed yeah. with Neville, when Duncan walks in, she's got crazy scratches yeah. all over his back, as if she's like really been furious, going wild on her. <laughs> and then you look at it, and you're just like, "That's that's way too much." But then I guess that kind of sets up the DNA in Jonathan's. I don't know. I know for later like, on, like skin when she was cells doing the chiropractor. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's wild, isn't it? I think that's quite full on for seven pm on a Saturday night. BBC yeah, it really was. Um, Still remember it. Uh, and also, we, another thing that keeps pop cropping up is like just how Adam doesn't understand anything sexy. Mm. He says um, when <laughs> when Jonathan says he's going to bring Maddie, he says, "Oh, really, Jonathan? I've got ten young ladies who would wrestle in a tank of live eels for this ticket." Yeah. He just like it looks like he's t- saying it in a sexy way. We're like, that's not sexy. Oh, do you know again, what sex is? Have you had sex, Chester? Also, the, the worst bit on that grot line is when he says soft of thigh, moist of lip. <laughs> I think the rest of the innuendo, I do think it's that thing where Remwick's writing something so mad he can get away with it because it yeah. doesn't mean anything. But uh, Chester's never had sex. I'll put one more in. Yeah. Jonathan seems to know quite a bit about erotic asphyxiation. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Um, he's, like, he's definitely looked into that uh, he's was, he was like what are you talking about he's like uh, strangulation as an act of love mm. restricted breathing and sex between consenting asthmatics yeah <laughs> I, I think uh, Jonathan knows what he's talking about there he definitely does he's seen the videos um, I think I guess like Huey Harper just touching up random ladies wherever he goes um, and like that whole thing is really grotty yeah because he can see so he's just grabbing people the thing that i was confused about is does huey know that adam knows that he can't see because it feels like adam has so much adam has so much information about it that i thought oh i i always used to think that oh maybe he's told adam and adam's in on it because he's in the magic circle maybe but (laughs) the way that he acts suggests with petra that he yeah yeah suggests that maybe adam doesn't know big bit of grot uh cabinet if you pause it you can see um, Kitty's nipple. What? When? Yeah, you can see it. I had a look this morning. Um, <laughs> you can see Kitty's like just the just the, the tiny bit of uh, Kitty's nipple. Um, oh. If you put while well, she's on the sunbed. Uh, but yeah, there we go. That's that's the grot cabinet for another week. I'm just going to shut that up now. Sorry, Chester. Okay, let's have the romance update then. We got. It's not a wild episode, but we do get some nice things like when. Jonathan goes round to Maddie's flat and mm. she gets the sofa bed straight out. Yeah, it's not very subtle, but you made your point. So there's no misunderstandings later. What? Had to get straight to that old sofa bed, didn't we? Like a bullet before you've even put the light on. No, I just... thought you'd be really tired by now, that's all. She seems quite surprised by how upset he is by that. She's taken aback. She's like... Really, really. You know, uh, like... I can't watch um, those sofa beds. Something about... Uh, I've just slept on so many minging ones of those, just being at university and stuff. I thought you were going to say because you I, think it would eat you. I just I just hate them. Because like I've, I've slept on so many that are just all grotty. And then, you know, you pull it out and you're going to see, like, crumbs and shit. Just all that. Oh, God. It makes Two me go peas. through me. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Oh, really goes through me. Weird couple of bits as well. It's like, 
Jonathan letting Maddie go into the house first? He doesn't want to go in. He's like always oh, locking about. It's like, come on, Jonathan. You know that whole scene is about ten minutes long. As yeah. Well. Also, it's fucking wild. They leave Kitty outside. There's a murderer yeah. about, and they just leave her outside. Poor <laughs> Kitty. Yeah. And we see Jonathan's bedroom as well. We do. We do. Um, it's quite a sexy bedroom. Like lots of reds and browns. Yeah, a lot of uh, Egyptian themed. It doesn't move on that much, really. No, I think we're seeing this as we transition to mid to end of season two is yeah. he just I think he's got to the point where they either do it and uh, the minute is in that period where they're almost completely not together and they're just yeah. plateauing until a big yeah, event yeah. happens yeah that's we right. even see that a bit in the next episode um, where it seems like they're almost toying with that idea of them going their separate ways yeah and just completely just becoming friends yeah yeah no I could see that I think you know if you were watching this, you'd be thinking to yourself, Some, something's got to happen. Something has got to pop. <laughs> How come when I stay at your place, you get the bed and I get the sofa, and when you stay at my place, you still get the bed and I get the sofa? Because you're being terribly chivalrous and gentlemanly and very solicitous of my welfare. Don't I get anything to eat? On the next episode, we're delving into a series of grisly murders committed in the Mother Red Cat pub. Up the Creek is produced by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about games, movies, basically anything fun, including 23-year-old BBC shows about a magician's assistant who lives in a windmill. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG. 